The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi everybody, this is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor is In. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. How are you, sir? This is Pierre. Oh. I can't believe I'm talking to you, Dr. Ray the Great. Oh, I don't know about that. I love listening to you. You have a personality just like my father. I don't think you should feel helpless. You are helpless. Doctor, I really appreciate that. That makes me feel a lot better. You be at peace, or else I'm going to yell at you. Trying to find a reason to speak to you. I think you're the best thing since sliced bread. That Ray, he's something. Thank you so much for what you're doing for all the parents out there. They don't know what... I can possibly do. I don't either. I'm getting my money worth, I think, at this phone call. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. (laughs) It's easy to get your money's worth if you're not paying anything. I'm not even giving them a penny for their thoughts. I'm not even putting in my two cents worth. She's getting her money's worth. She didn't pay anything. I mean, she's getting absolutely worthless feedback. Good to have you with me. You've heard of those saints that can bilocate? Yeah, well, I can't quite do that, but I can bilocute. Talking to two towns at the same time. Actually, with the networks, omnilocute, but I don't want to jump that far into it. I'll just be happy with bilocuting. Good to have you with me. I'm Dr. Ray Garendi. Program Doctor is in. That's always been its name. We didn't take that from uh, Lucy Van Pelt in the Peanuts cartoon. She charged a nickel. She charged a lot more than I charge. I just noticed that. Good to have you with me. Number to get onto the program is 877-573-7825. Very hard to remember that. I remember when I was in grad school and we took uh, programs on uh, physiology and different types of psychology they said that the, the the optimum number that people can remember is seven that's why most phone numbers were seven digits i go so far back that we had do you remember this my number was glendale four glendale five four five six, glendale six four oh oh six that's it remember gl but now they got rid of the uh the uh what do they call those things the numbers the uh Whatever they had, now they go to 10 digits, and nobody can remember 10 digits. Nobody even, re- nobody even remembers numbers anymore. You just go by name, right? Call home. Call John. Well, call Dr. Ray, 877-573-7825, 57 equal. Put it down into three bite-size memory bits. 877-57-EQUAL. If you'd like to get onto the program, question about something in your life, comment about something else going on in the program, there are several ways to get to the front of the line. One is if you were on a past show and you waited at the end. You will not wait much longer because you will be first up. Or if you disagree with me. If you vehemently disagree with me, then we really get you to the front fast. No question about that. Uh, 877-57-EQUAL. When I was out of the Catholic Church, much of the time I was in the uh, evangelical world, independent 
evangelical church. And, of course, we had um, Bible studies. Bible studies after the service. Got together and talked about it. One time the uh, question came up, why do so many people get upset about the moral stances of Christians? What is it that bothers them about traditional morality that we espouse? The consensus of the study, the Bible study, was it convicts them. Somewhere down deep, they know this is right, and they're going against it. And we are a reminder, either through our words or our actions, that uh, there is some inconsistency in the way they're living their lives. I got to be thinking about that, and I thought that was a, well, a self-congratulatory interpretation. Is it that we are so morally upright that it bothers people, or can it be then we can be a jerk about being morally upright? In other words, distill it down. Holy or jerk? Now, on one hand, to live by certain moral principles can be obvious, and I think it's going to be quickly much more obvious in a culture that no longer, quickly, no longer is sharing those ideas. And if you look at the surveys, it's if they can be believed, traditional moral values regarding marriage, regarding sexuality, regarding all kinds of things in our moral culture, uh, the, the Christian views uh, are are definitely becoming uh, at the at the least a minority view, and moving towards a persecuted view. So if you live it, it may be obvious. But how can you be a jerk about it? Many people call this program, and they are the only ones in their family group of siblings, perhaps, that uh, wants to take a stand. For example. A, uh, a niece or a nephew who, who wants to come over for Christmas and stay overnight and uh, stay up in the bedroom. The other family members have no problem with that whatsoever, but the caller does. Now, you can have a stance without being jerky about it. And by that I mean you don't come across as I am your moral superior, you realize that. You realize that you're conducting yourself as wretched. You can do that. It's easy to do that. Now, we're going to get accused of that no matter what anyway. It's the old, you're judgmental because I know how you think. Many people will say to me, they call me judgmental, but I didn't say a word. Yes, I know. We're now living in a culture where you don't have to say a word because they know how you think. And you're judgmental by the way you think. So given that, if you're going to have a moral stance, adhere to it. 
You do everything you can not to be jerky about it. Not to come across as morally superior. Not to come across as morally putting someone down. Dr. Ray, how do you balance it? How do you be loving and warm to somebody who's acting in a certain way without condoning it? Let's say that you have members of your family who have called themselves Catholic and are divorced and remarried outside of the church. Do you not welcome the new person in their lives? Do you say, I don't recognize you as being married, so don't even come to my house on Christmas Eve? This happens to be your sister and her new boyfriend or her new civilly married spouse. What do you do? If you say, well, forget that. I'm not going to support that. And if you're there, I'm not. See, I think that's kind of jerky. Because obviously, you can write them off, but it wouldn't be right. I would imagine, for the most part, most people know how you view things. You don't have to keep telling them. Especially if you live a certain way. (laughs) Especially if you raise them. You know, you got an adult son who's living with his girlfriend and he wants to bring her to your house for dinner and you're thinking, I don't want her there. He's living with her. I think that's a mistake. I don't want to condone that. You're not condoning it. You're just attempting to keep a relationship open. But Dr. Ray, they need to know. They need to know there are consequences for doing that. Yeah, but what are the consequences? That their mother or father is going to shun them? Is that a consequence? I often think about when our Lord ate with the tax collectors. They were the lowest of the low on the social admiration scale at that time among the Jews. He ate with them. That was fellowship. That was not just let's have a meal together. Let's go. Let's go drive through Arby's. That was fellowship, deep fellowship. The religious leaders had all kinds of trouble with it, but he did it. What's he doing? Is he telling them, well, that's okay. What you guys are doing is perfectly fine by me. He wasn't doing that. He said something along the lines of those who are sick need a doctor. Yes, but Dr. Ray, he told the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. Yes, he did. But we don't have any indication that he told the tax collectors, all right, you guys, now I'm going to eat with you one time. This is your chance straighten up or you won't see me around here anymore we don't know what he did but there's no indication that it was a one and done so i kind of look at the way the lord does it yeah yeah there's there's those people there are those people who who will be convicted by someone living a certain moral stance that they believe they should live but they're not that's true But I think you always got to question yourself. Am I convicting them or am I being jerky about this? 877-573-7825-877-57 equal. I will look forward here momentarily to getting a chance to speak with you. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare 
a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. I come from the other side of the tracks. See? My uncle used to have slot machines. Put one nickel in and it emptied. And I brought him home in a bag. And my mother looked at me. Where did you get all that money? I said, I won him. You didn't win him. He fixed the machine. I didn't care if he fixed the machine or not. You know? EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. My daughter, when she was about nine, asked me for a pet spider for her birthday. So I went to the pet shop. And the one she wanted was 70 bucks. I thought, forget that. I can get one cheaper off the web. This is Dr. Ray here. Now, we got two folks up there who spoke, who spoke as though they were on the line in previous shows. And I'm not sure who to go to, so I'm going to play. I'm going to do rock, paper, scissors on myself here. Wait, I'll think of a number from 1 to 10, then I'll guess it. All right. So, Diana. You win, because you called yesterday. You were on at the end of the show. Hi, Diana. Hi, Dr. Ray. So, Well, these family members that can get nasty, I mean, do they cuss? Do they? What, what kind of nasty do they get? Oh, no, no. It just um, doesn't, doesn't speak to me the way she speaks to everybody else in the family. Like, she's... She's very critical of me. She's, if I say something that sounds like I'm trying to tell her what to do, she gets very upset. And so, like, if I tell her, uh, don't forget to pick a card, you know, I mean, something as silly as that. She'll look at me with this death look. She, she just, there's a lot of little things. They're little things, but I, I tend to pick up on them. I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe it's OCD, I don't know what it is, but I tend to pick up on them, and so I, I used to get upset. Okay, so now I've heard you enough times to know that I, 
there's no point in getting upset. And if she's not going to change, she's not going to change, and I need to change. I need to change the way I look at her. But I don't know how to treat her. It's more like I'm, do I stop calling? Do I just only talk to her when she talks to me? That kind of thing. Would it make any difference if we know what relation she is to you? She's my sister. Okay. Is your sister nearby? So I don't see her very often. So, how many times in the past do you suppose you've given her some little tidbit of advice that she threw back at you? Oh, I don't give her advice very often. Oh, you are you talking about that? Um, Well, it's been a while. It used to happen more often when we were we spend a week together at the beach with parents and aunt and uncle and cousins. And that's when it really came out, because that's when I was seeing her on a daily basis for a week, so probably a year. You know, we could we could explore what it is about your relationship, what it is about you that your sister sees that makes her so petulant about you saying anything that somehow, some way she finds offensive. There's got to be something percolating underneath it all. Do you have any idea what that might be? Well, she went through a divorce about three years ago, and I think her husband was kind of controlling. Like, he might, I think he would do that, and maybe I did not realize I was doing it and at first. But now she's very sensitive about it, I guess. Mm, I, I'm not re- sure. That's I a reasonable that's enough insight. Reasonable enough. Could be. It could be that she just is hypersensitive to anybody who says anything that implies she's not competent. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Well, and probably. being that I'm her younger sister, maybe that's... Oh, how so. dare you. That's right, kid. So, two things. One, you've got the safety net of distance. You really don't see her all that much anymore, correct? Right. The second thing is, you already know that you can't say anything that would smell like you're giving her advice. You know that. Right. No matter how benign, no matter how helpful, no matter how kind, no matter how concerned... For whatever the reason, you can't anticipate how she's going to interpret it. Right. So what I would suggest is if you want to get along with her, probably the best way to do it is to show an interest in her life and in what she's doing. For example, on the phone. So, hey, what's been going on with you? Tell me all about it. What's news? Tell me what's news. And well, we went yesterday, and we we went shopping, and we decided we were going to buy that uh, that uh, particular couch. But I didn't know if I wanted that size. Now you're tempted to go. Well, how big is your living room? Did you you know maybe it's too big for your living room? Right? No, don't, don't. <laughs> Simply say what what made you decide? How'd you decide? In other words, you're just immersing yourself in her little minutia of every day. And you're not going to question her on the day-to-day stuff that she does. 
It's probably one of the easier ways to get along with her. You can always keep the conversation focused on her. It's real easy to do. People, people naturally allow the conversation to be focused on them. Okay. Let, let me let me just guess here. I would suspect that your sister doesn't say, so Diana, tell me what's been going on with you. I want to hear all about it. No. I know. <laughs> that, that's one of the things that bothers me is that she'll talk to other people and ask them how, they're go- how things are going with them, and she never does that with me. Well, there's something about you that's sticking in her craw, and it may or not be anything you've done. It may be that you're religious and she doesn't like that. No, it's she's off. in the faith as well. So, oh, but, okay. But you can be, I, I, I see where you're going because maybe I'm too religious. She's, she's faithful, but maybe I'm too, too much. Well, that could be. The, the fact that you live your faith a certain obvious way, maybe devotionally, she looks at that as you're more or less spiritually looking down on her. Diana, I am as I'm yeah. as holy as you are, Diana. We don't all do it your way, Diana. Yeah. Yeah. Not, Very okay. possible. Very possible. All right. So just treat her nice. Don't give her any advice. Immerse yourself in her world. And keep in mind you probably never will have a close relationship with your sister for whatever the reason. She just doesn't uh she doesn't gravitate toward you. I suppose, you know what I suppose? I suppose you could say, what is it about me that you have trouble with? You could do that. That's risky. And she'll probably say, what are you talking about? I don't have any trouble with you. Probably is what she'll say. Maybe. All righty, my dear. Thank you for the call. Thank you, Dr. Ray. You're welcome. You're more than welcome. Matthew called last week. His daughter has a cell phone. No internet, but texting, 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 texting. Hi, Matthew. Hello, doctor. How are you doing? Okay. How old's your daughter? She, she is 13. 13. She's, she's got to be figuring, when am I going to get my smartphone? Oh, she's been begging for it. She's been begging for it for ages. Hmm. And we say and no, not not getting. She can buy herself a smartphone when she moves out of the house. So yeah, we're oh. yeah we're avoiding that pitfall. But you know, I'm just wondering about limits for you know just the texting, which in one hand is you know good in that I want her to facilitate friendships with you know her kids at school and what have you, and it's you know good and healthy as far as I can see. But I. It's just more of a nagging feeling that, uh, you know, is there going to be some negative repercussions? You know, I just just even being so absorbed in the cell phone once she gets herself a smartphone at some point in the future. Do you uh, think it's good yeah, that she's just, doing all that texting? In my gut, a little bit no. But, again, I I just didn't grow up that way. I didn't have a whole lot of friends in my area. And, you know, obviously I didn't have cell phones and couldn't communicate with people in that way so it's like i wish i had more of that opportunity when i was her age so in one sense i i I, it seems like it's a good thing and she has a lot of friends and it all seems good they all seem like good friends i'm not too terribly concerned about them being 
negative influences at this point in time. How do you know what she texts? Oh, well, I can know because I do have access. So if I felt like, you know, she's talking about something that she shouldn't be or there's something going on, I can log on to her phone and look through the text. But I have not to this point because, well, except for one time, I, I knew she was having a fight with her friend and I saw a couple of texts sufficient to indicate that she's trying to make up with her. So that was... That was enough for me, but yeah. I have access, but I have not exhaustively tried to noop into them. Okay, stay there, Matthew. Got a hard break coming up. On the other side, we shall talk further about this. Now, I'm not going to text you. I'm going to just talk to you direct. Um, if I had your cell phone number, I could text you about this. 877-57-EQUAL. This is Dr. Ray. Thank you so much for joining me. with Teresa Tomio. The church isn't saying throw out the baby with the bathwater. Throw out all the media. Don't use the media. What the Pope is saying that make sure that what you are doing is enabling yourself and others to encounter Christ more deeply. And you can't do that unless you reach out. You have to reach out to God first. You have to encounter him in the Eucharist in that personal relationship. And then you pray, you reflect, and then you go. In my book, Beyond Sunday, Becoming a 24-7 Catholic, I talk about the three M's of faith, meeting, mercy, and mission. You meet and encounter Christ. You enter into a personal relationship with him. He gives you mercy. And then what do you do? You just sit there and say, oh, thanks, Jesus. See you later. No, you go out on mission exactly as the woman at the well did. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. There is essentially one true priest, says the Catholic Catechism, and that is Jesus Christ. All others are his ministers. There is the common priesthood in which all of the baptized and confirmed faithful participate according to their vocation. Bishops and priests make up the ministerial priesthood, which is essentially at the service of the common or holy priesthood, the faithful. Jesus is the one unique mediator between God the Father and the faithful. With a single offering, he brought about salvation once and for all. Still, that sacrifice is made present through the celebration of the Mass. Christ is made present through the ministerial priesthood without diminishing the uniqueness of his own priesthood. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. You're listening to The Least Worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. Popular sitcom in the 90s. Everybody loves Raymond. This is the uh, Catholic media counterpart to that. Some people sort of tolerate Raymond. I'm Raymond Grandy. Thank you for joining me. Talking to Matthew, 13-year-old daughter, is doing what 13-year-old daughters do, which is relentless, relentless, relentless pushing for a smartphone. But Matthew and his wife have said no. You will have a phone with no internet access. Uh, you can text. 
and he's a little nervous because she's spending a lot of time texting. Matthew, you still there? Yes. What Just on average some, uh, context? Okay, well, go I, ahead, I think I've anticipated your next question. So, just as I don't know how much, you know, quantitatively exactly, suffice to say that the company that has the, the smartphone program uh, has sent me texts that she is texting, you know, a thousand times, well, a thousand percent more than the average user on that uh, program. Which well, here's, she argues it's because it's, it's a phone for little kids, so little kids aren't texting each other. If, so. in fact, you whatever indication you can get is that she's excessive, very excessive, the question is this. Let's assume that this is all just connecting with friends and it's... Um, Typically benign stuff, although with a 13-year-old girl, you got to assume there's going to be a lot of drama mixed in there, mm-hmm. uh, which may not necessarily be good for her mo- emotional well-being. But let's just go with the number. If she's spending this amount of time texting, are you noticing that she is less present to your family? I'd say not a whole lot more than usual beforehand. She, you know, she, in her teenager years, she had had already started retreating to her room a lot and spending a lot of time just by herself in the room. So she had already started the retreat prior to getting the phone. And did you allow that retreat? To a certain extent, yes. Yeah, so, so she's the oldest of five. So I've got, and I've got like a baby that's like 14 months old. So, so I'm, I'm a little busy. So I, I, we do a certain amount of trying to pull her out uh, here and there, but you know, See, I think you got to ask yourself a question here, Matthew. If you say to yourself, I really don't like the fact that she's retreating to her bedroom so much. I don't like the fact that she's texting so much. I don't like the fact that she's probably texting at night and it's affecting her sleep, which is very likely. So, uh, actually, we take her phone away uh, like at nine o'clock. Okay, uh, she, good move. Yeah, has at least an hour before. Right, good move. She goes to sleep. Have you ever heard the phrase? Sometimes a vice is just a virtue taken to extreme. Yes. Well, if you're saying I like the fact that she has friends and she talks with them through her text, that's nice. But she doesn't seem to have a balance to it. If you're saying that as her father, then what would stop you from saying, okay, I've got to make a decision here? It's kind of like, well, you know, she wants to eat nine donuts. Uh, I don't think nine donuts is good. I'm not going to have her eat nine donuts. But yet, with stuff like this, we're really unsure of ourselves and saying, I don't think this is good. This is out of balance and I'm going to do something about it as a parent. We don't do that because I think we're afraid of some kind of psychological repercussions. I've seen many parents just so very afraid to put limits on smartphones. Very afraid. Yeah, I feel at this point, it's, I've, you know, we do limit. We you know, take it away at night. You know, it's the first thing I take away when she has any sort of behavioral issues. And, but it's like, yeah, I, 
beyond making sure she doesn't have it at night and doesn't have that first thing in the morning. So she pretty much can stay on it as long as she wants. She can stay on it as long as she wants. Yeah. Well, do you like it that way? Do you like her away from the family and her siblings? Isolated, withdrawn? Not 100% of the time, but yeah. You see what you're saying? But I don't have a very good alternative. It's like, okay, well, come out, sit in the living room and play with your little siblings and... Well, you can. I, I guess you, I do you, pull her out to babysit for sure. As a parent, you can say, "Honey, only a certain amount of time is allowed to retreat to your bedroom. What you do when you come out of your bedroom is up to you. Whether you want to read, whether you want to talk to your siblings, whether you want to talk to us, whatever. But I just, I am not going to allow my 13-year-old daughter to retreat endlessly to her room. Now, many." Experts would say, oh, that's crazy. She's 13 years old. Come on, that's what they do. Well, that may be what they do, but that doesn't mean it's good. So just some things to consider there, Matthew. Uh, Okay. All in your decision. Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you would be. Remember that song, Brandy? Yes. Is that where you were named from, Looking Glass? Uh, yes, it actually is. <laughs> I know it. There was a whole bunch of women who were named Brandy after that song came out. Now, wait a minute. This kind of tells me your age because Brandy came out uh, in the 70s. Yes, I, I was born in the early 90s, though, so my mom was just kind of going old school with it. Okay, she liked the song Brandy, and she was waiting to have a little girl so she could say, I could name her Brandy. That's exactly it. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's kind of like Mandy. Barry Manilow's Mandy had a, a big surge of women named Mandy. Yes. <laughs> so you have a six-year-old who you've moved to a new school, new area, and he's getting in trouble. Yes, and it's, you know, a little bit at school, like he's he's not meshing very well with some other students. I mean, one in particular he really doesn't get along with, apparently. Um, but I know that he is making some friends, and he hasn't had trouble making friends or getting along with other kids before. But um, it's not just at school either. At, at home, he has been just a lot more negative, a lot more grumpy, very, very sensitive and, like, clingy with me in particular. Like, he, like, runs to me and clings to me like he's, you know, three years old again and cries, you know, mommy, mommy, and does baby talk and everything. And I'm just like, oh, boy, we need to calm down a little bit with this because i he has two younger brothers too so i think he's trying to kind of imitate their behavior and be like i want some of that attention that they're getting but i'm just like i i don't exactly know how to handle all of this at once <laughs> it's all it was this this, the same uh, time. this change in schools is this uh you you moved is that what happened we did move not not very far but we went from like the big you know we went from houston proper to like one of the satellite suburbs and he was in so kindergarten we like a, somewhere else. Yeah, he, he was. I mean, he was actually being homeschooled, and we switched to public school, which uh, we're just doing through the end of the year, but he is not liking the change at all. I mean, none of the kids really did. He in particular hates it. Okay. Hold on there, Brandy. You're a fine girl. Um, but my life, my love, and my lady is the sea. Remember that. This is Dr. Ray. Uh, a little past the halfway mark. You can still get in. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call. Getting more calls from girls now in one afternoon than I ever did in all those years of college. 
Wow. And now, the EWTN Family Prayer with Father Joseph. Family, a prayer that we pray together is a powerful prayer. So please pray together with me, our EWTN Family Prayer. Today we pray for those who have diabetes. Almighty God, we worship you, our Father. And we pray this day for those who suffer with diabetes. Look upon your children with this illness and grant them relief. Give them patience and the grace of perseverance in taking care of their health. Show them the way to physical and spiritual well-being. Let their cry come to your ears and bring them healing in mind and body and soul. We ask this in the holy name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. John chapter 11, verses 21 to 26. This is the story of Lazarus. Lazarus has died. Lazarus is one of his best friends. Just before this passage, we hear the news that Martha and Mary send word to Jesus that the one you love is sick. And the next line in the scripture is, Now because Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was. His friends in need, he can heal. They've seen him heal before. And yet somehow, because he loves him, he stays. And Lazarus dies. And then Jesus shows up three days later and is greeted by Martha and Mary, who confront him with the words, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would never have died. Rather applicable for many of us in our lives. We ask the Lord to do one thing because we're certain it is what we think is best. When in fact, he has something which far surpasses what we ask for. Challenges in waiting for that to happen. We go through very trying times, which oftentimes makes us wonder, does he really care? You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. Dr. Ray Garendi, your fitness expert. Nice to have you with me. I'm talking to a young mom. Her name is Brandy from Houston, Texas. Actually, there's two songs right there. Brandy, of course, Looking Glass. And then Houston is a song by Dean Martin. Going back to Houston. Brandy, you probably didn't know the Dean Martin song, did you? I did not, no. I knew it. You're too much of a young (laughs) punk, that's why. All right. Now, you said something, I think, rather um, significant. Your little guy didn't necessarily so much change schools as he went from homeschooling where he was extremely comfortable and liked being around mom and his siblings into a school setting, correct? This is true, yes. And, you know, he had co-ops and stuff that we would go to as well. So, You think that's it? You think he just kind of in with all these other kids and all these, uh, inter, these social interactions and especially that one kid that's kind of troublesome for him, all of a sudden I'm not real happy with all this, Mom. I just want to come back home and be homeschooled again. That's that's probably the heart of the problem, yes, and that's that's the refrain that I keep hearing from him and from the other two, too, but mostly from him. And um, it's just, I, I just don't know what, because, you know, I'm not going to, we're going to finish out the public school for this year, 
and I'm prob I might may take it up again in the fall, but for right now I'm like, buddy, you're gonna have to just brave it out these last few months, and I just need help supporting him and managing everything without like caving to this new like oversensitivity that he has. I mean, I know it's a lot of change, and he's a little guy, but you know, at the same time, it's kind of like you gotta gotta buck up a little bit, buddy. Like try try not to be so negative all the time, you know. When you say negative. Are you talking he misbehaves, or are you talking he's clingy? Well, it's it's both. He he's, he even just gets out of bed and immediately is just, like, grumpy and grouchy with everybody and, you know, t- setting, like, a nasty tone for the day, picking okay, fights so with he, his siblings. He, he's, just... he's being mean. Yes. Okay. Do you, do you want to do something about that? Yes, but, okay. like, at the same time without squashing his, you know... Oh, there we go. Wait a minute. There we go. See what you're doing here, Brandy? You see what you're doing? You're basically saying, okay, my son is dealing with an adjustment problem, and therefore, part of that adjustment is he's being nastier at home. Less tolerant with his siblings, a little more grumpy with them, probably provoking them, etc., well, normally, I would do something about that. He would be disciplined. However, because I recognize that he's not happy where he is, I'm not sure what to do about it. Am I summarizing this somewhat correctly? That's correct. And maybe I also just kind of feel guilty, too, because it's like, you know. <laughs> I threw him I, to the wolves. I, change I put upon him. Yeah, That's right. Exactly. Well, first of all, there's no reason to be nasty. You, you can't look at it and go, well, all right, I'm going to allow him to call his little brother a name because he's not happy going to school. You, you can't do that. On the other hand, you decide how much clinginess you want to take. Yeah, you can give him some extra hugs and kisses, but when he's clinging to you, I think you have every right to say, you know what, son? I got two other, two other kids here. And I cannot just have you totally occupy my time. Now I'm going to ask you real nice, go in and play X. And if he doesn't, you got to do something about it. Okay. I mean, I, yes. I, you're bringing up the issue, which is, gee, what can I really do about this when I know he's unhappy and part of his unhappiness I cause because I put him in that situation? Well, that's not really a reason to act nasty. It's understandable, maybe, but it isn't good to say, well, okay, I'll just let him be grumpy and mean to his siblings because until this year is done. Uh, I think you're wise, Brandy, just to say, no, you can't do that, son. You can't do that. I know you don't quite like it where you're at, and we'll think about this next year. But for right now, this is the way it's got to be. And then you got to do something about it. Okay. All right. Well, I think that that's... That's what I kind of knew I had to do anyway, but I was just like, you know. Uh, just want to say, Brandy, it, so. you're a fine yeah. girl, and I'm going back to Houston. Got a girl waiting there for me. At least she said she'd be. Got a home and a big warm bed and a feather pillow for my head. There you go. Thanks, Brandy. I'll talk to you. Thank you. You All take right. care. Right. That's a Dean Martin song. Got a girl waiting there for me. Dean Martin. You guys make me show my age. All right. Uh, Andrew, should I, uh, if I, if I take this next call, I'm going to have to break it up. Let me take a quick break, 
and then I won't have to break up talking to the folks patiently waiting. I'm Dr. A. Uh, just a quick announcement, good Lord permitting, on April 25th here in the uh, Living Bread Radio area, I'm going to be over at Little Flower Parish, my parish, and I'm going to talk about the logic of being Catholic. It's a 7 p.m. talk. I'd uh, be delighted to see you there. The reason and the evidence that convinced me that the Catholic Church is who she said she is. And I think you'll hear some defenses of the faith that you might not have heard elsewhere. This is Dr. Ray. The doctor is in. Now, don't you feel better? Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. The binary choice between life and death is the engine that drives the entire story of human history. It's there in the garden where Adam and Eve made the wrong choice. It's there in the days of Cain and Abel when they have to choose between right and wrong worship. It's there with Joshua in chapter 24 where he says, choose this day whom you will serve. And the binary choice is there with King David when Bathsheba catches his eye. It's there in Proverbs 14:12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And it's there in Jesus' teaching. Will you build on the rock or will you build on sand? And when we talk about imitating Christ, we mean that we want to be like Jesus who always makes the right choice, choosing God above created things. He chooses life. And for those who follow him, he promises abundant life, even eternal life. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor Is In. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. Got two of our EWTN radio partners next week. Holy Family Radio in Ohio. Their Spring Spirit Drive starting next Wednesday. And Ave Maria Radio, co-producer of this program, Michigan will be conducting their Spring Pledge Drive all next week. So, inviting you to support them. Uh, let's see. Maria. Just met a girl named Maria. Boy, all kinds of songs coming up with these names. From Birmingham. I don't think there's a song about Birmingham, though. I'll have to look. Hi, Maria. Hi. There is a song about Alabama, though, by Alabama. Ah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> Done by, um, uh, who yeah. was it that uh, did Alabama? Sweet Home Alabama? Is, uh, was that, um, 
Oh, I'll figure it out. Andrew, type it up there for me so I know. Leonard Skinner? Was it Leonard Skinner? Did Sweet Home Alabama? Okay, I don't, got I'm it. not sure. Yeah, yeah it was. So you got a 23-year-old daughter who's going to marry some guy that you suspect just wants to marry her so he can become a citizen. No, just the opposite. He's already married. So my daughter's 24, and they've been in a relationship for about over a year. They cohabitate. Um, And he told her about three months after they were together, because I guess he liked her and he wanted her to know the truth, that he had married somebody to be on paper um, so that he could, he has a visa, he's here on a visa, but that I guess it would prolong his um, ability to stay in the States. He's working, has a good job. And um, so when she found that out, she already was liking him. And so he was trying to be honest with her or tried to be honest with her, I guess. And so, um, so anyway, so my question is, do I try to get involved? Because now he's become part of our family and do I try to get involved to try and see if he can regularize the situation to get out of that? You know, do I stick my nose in it, basically, or should I just leave it alone and let them figure it out? That's my let me, question. Let me make sure I got the details. So this guy married somebody to stay in the U.S. Yes. Your daughter, who connected with him in some kind of relationship, moved in with him, didn't realize that he was married uh, in some way, I don't know how he got married, but he got married, obviously, and probably not a Catholic marriage, I guess, right? Your daughter's Catholic? No. My daughter is Catholic, but she doesn't practice the faith. Okay. So he told her, he said, this is this is my situation, and that apparently doesn't mean anything to your daughter. She doesn't care. She wants to be with him. She does, and um, and and he comes to our house. He was there this weekend and talked about marriage, but he he said that oh well, in my country we wait a while to get married. But I, he doesn't know that I know he's married. She does not want me to tell him. She told me in in secrecy, but he does not know. Um, so uh, you know, why doesn't I, she I, want I, you to act like you know? Um, because she is afraid that if I. She she wants to keep everything private, and if she she's afraid that if I um, told him, you know, I know about this, that he would would not like it, and he would not trust her because he told it to her in good faith that she would keep it to himself. And I guess it's a legal thing too. If, if it gets out, they could maybe deport him or something. So she doesn't want you to get involved at all. I don't think I don't think she does. Yeah, you're right. And it's not a more. It's not. <laughs> It's not a moral issue for her. She doesn't see this as a moral issue, correct? No, not at all. And she doesn't care that they're not married, but she does love him. And, and This is one of the problems you run into now. What is apparent here is with the collapse of religion among the young people, they pretty much do what they wish regarding relationships. Those of us who are older and who were raised with more faith and who embrace traditional morality find ourselves at odds with them mm-hmm. but their view is i don't think like you do mom this is not a problem for me that he is on paper married to someone just so he can be here in the states and they haven't seen each other for the last year and a half so who cares that's kind of where she's at 
I guess the question for you, Maria, is what kind of relationship are you going to have with your daughter and this guy? Um, I would imagine uh, you want to have a decent relationship with your daughter, right? Yes. So probably you're going to have to, at some level, accept him. And the question becomes, okay, I don't want to applaud this relationship. I don't want to go, yippee, oh, cool, how nice. There's so much of this now. There's just so much of it. I think he would, right, and I think he even told her one time they were talking, she told me this in private, that he, he says, I screwed this up. I shouldn't have done that. I screwed this up. I think he would marry her because this weekend when he was at our house for a little get get together, he said he'd start talking about marriage, and I think he would really, I think he really loves my daughter, and he would want to marry her. But then he's got this, this you know thing that he has you know looming over his head, and I don't know how long it takes to get out of those marriages. But I just, I was thinking maybe if I could just convince her to let me tell him, like I can help you. I can go to. We can go to a lawyer together. We can see if this, we can rectify the situation. Well, maybe but, you don't um, have to convince him. You convince her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I might talk to her about it, but I, I, I think you're right. You hit the nail on the head when, it, when you said she really doesn't want me to be involved with it. I, I think that's probably going to be the answer. No, mom, we'll we'll figure this out on our own. I, th- I can hear her saying that to me. It's it's sad, Maria, but it is mm-hmm. now. I I see this kind of moral chasm between the generations everywhere everywhere if you look at a recent survey i saw that uh under age 30 50 percent said no religion so no religion means i do what i want i am not bound by traditional ideas of marriage of commitment of sexuality i'm not do what i want Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when you have people of the earlier generation who by and large were much more embracing of traditional morality well you see what happens the kids are going hey ma that's you it's not me you know so i guess i would ask i would do this i'd say to her i'd say well well how do you want to proceed through these complications you got some complications here daughter what are your plans this guy is legally married Mm mm-hmm I mean, he's obviously going to have to get a divorce, and she, of course, is going to abandon her Catholic faith because she'll want to marry the guy, and she won't be able to marry him in a Catholic church, so therefore, they'll get married somewhere else. But we can worry about that when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah. now, I just I just confront her. That's okay. What's, what's okay. your view here? What do you want to do about yeah. this? Yeah, and if she tells me that, you know, we'll figure it out, Mom, then I'll just step away because yeah. my, I, I love her, and, you know, she is my daughter. I love her. I don't approve of what she's doing, but I do love her. And she knows you don't approve. You, you don't have yeah. to reiterate to her, by the way, I just want to tell you, in case you forgot the way I raised you for 20 years, <laughs> she knows you don't. Yes, you're right. All right. God bless you, Maria. Yeah. All right, God bless honey. you. Thank you. Okay, honey. And Sheila, you call back as your first up when you call back. I appreciate so very, very much your company. Andrew Kruchek, Eric Dumont, and all of you 127 folks who listen to me. Just got a text from my wife. I wonder if, in fact, I missed it. Walk with God. 
For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.